listening to Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We're the founders of Soul Shepherding, a ministry of teaching, spiritual direction, and counseling for pastors and leaders. For the next 20 minutes, we invite you into our home and our hearts as we share with you our intimacy with Jesus in life, love, and leadership. We're grateful that so many of you are listening that iTunes listed Soul Talks as new and noteworthy. Christy, we're remembering Dallas Willard who died three years ago. We are. And looking at his picture here, his face, smiling and radiant. What do you see as you look at that? I see the peace and joy of Christ. Uh, He was such a wonderful man. Really blessed us in our walk with Jesus. Yes, very thankful for the ways he helped me understand life with Christ. Such a, a deeper and really practical level for me in my life and trusting Christ. Dallas opened up for us and for so many people, many thousands of people. He opened up our understanding of the kingdom of God. The heavens are, are open. They're flowing all around us. God is at work and we can be with the Lord and his kingdom even now, today. So thankful for Dallas and for his life and remembering him. He was a great mentor for us and made himself a personal friend. He invited us into conversation, and I spent a lot of hours privately with him sharing my life and uh, asking him questions, and he was instrumental in our beginning our ministry to pastors. Very instrumental, very encouraging and helpful to us in Soul Shepherding. What a gift to have someone like that to learn from, first reading his books, then getting his CDs, then following him around everywhere where he was talking, giving seminars and conferences, and and then uh, having private conversations with him in times of prayer. And I just loved the way he would look at me with just that gentle face glowing with God's love and take hold of my hands with his big hands, opening them up, and we'd pray together. And wow, what a spiritual father. So often when I think of Dallas, I'm praising God for his humility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in this podcast, we're going to be talking about Christly leadership, lessons from Dallas Willard. And so we've got a number of quotes and insights and examples from his life that we're going to just touch on here as kind of taking a tour with some of the things that we learned from Dallas about Christly leadership. You know, pastors today face such pressure Uh, We call it the ABCs of church success, attendance, buildings, and cash. And really, whatever your work or ministry is, you face pressure for hitting the numbers, even on our Facebook page, huh? (laughs) That is a temptation. (laughs) We look at the likes and see how many people are responding to us and gauge our effectiveness and our impact and our likability. Based on that, it's not a very good way to live. Well, we really get off base when we begin to think that it's all up to us and it's all about us and our performance or our competence. And Dallas didn't do that. He really kept it straight that he knew that it wasn't about Dallas. It was about Jesus. And, you know, Dallas achieved great success as a Christian author, USC philosophy professor, and a mentor to many great leaders literally around the world. But he did it in such a countercultural way. You know, he wasn't out there trying to make things happen or get his name out there or push himself on people. He was really just a quiet, gentle, 
unassuming, non-pretentious man. That he was. Yeah. I liked how he would say, just call me Dallas. <laughs> yeah. I never heard him use doctor for his name. I never Dr. Willard, even when he was introduced, you know, I just never seemed to feel a need to flaunt what he knew, his position or his degree. He was very unassuming in that way. He really surprised me the day at lunch when he called me Dr. Galtier. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, you broke your rule. <laughs> and I thought, well, actually, I think he's honoring me because he knows how much I respect res him. Yeah. yeah, he did do that. Yeah, he took the teaching of Jesus very seriously in Matthew 23, where Jesus says, you know, don't anyone call you a teacher or master, or father, you know, you have one Lord and father mm. in the heavens and, you know, sit at his feet and learn from him was Jesus' teaching. And so Dallas really took that to heart and said, you know, I'm not going to use my title or my degree or my resume to get people to be impressed with me. You know, I want people to be impressed with Jesus, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he also had such respect for pastors and really saw them as so important. I'll never forget you coming back from a conversation with him about soul shepherding and leading our ministry and him saying to you, pastors are the most important people. And I knew he meant that. Yeah, when we met, he would always ask me, you know, how's your ministry to pastors going? Bill, pastors ought to be the happiest people in the world. We can help make it happen. Let's do it. And then his chapter in his book, Pastors Spokes People for the Nations. Yeah. Really building up the position of the pastorate again in our world that today so has torn that down. Yeah. You know, I love how he said that in the given city, the, the pastor of the church ought to be the leader of the city. The people ought to know that that pastor has the source of knowledge for true life. Mm -hmm. If only people would understand that. And there was a day in our world where that was true. Yes. In times past, even here in America, you know, 50, 60 years ago, the pastor's sermon might be on the front page of the paper. Mm -hmm. And people really wanted to know what the pastor had to say about things because they knew that the pastor was a person of prayer who connected with God and the way of the scriptures and listened to people's hurts and their problems and conflicts and struggles and really knew how to guide them and help them into a better life. Yeah, out of the overflow of what they're hearing from God and following God as their leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dallas, his mantra was being an apprentice of Jesus, mm -hmm. using a very practical, concrete understanding of discipleship, that it's real life, on-the-job training. As we're going along uh, throughout our day, we do it with Jesus, and he's our teacher, and we're his student, and he's showing us how to live in the kingdom of God, how to bring whatever we're doing into the kingdom of the heavens. Dallas would really think deeply about scripture and about what God was saying and what the message was. And then he would really use words like that, like apprenticeship to Jesus, that would really deepen the meaning of what God's intention is in his message to us. So one of my great appreciations for Dallas was his definitions. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was something he taught me. He said, you know, Bill, use your words with impact. Mm. Be careful and thoughtful, reflective and prayerful when you're speaking and when you're writing to really seek the words that will have the best impact for the Lord and rephrase things in, in different ways of thinking about it. So 
I realized that I was always talking about the kingdom of God. And I thought, you know, well, there's other ways of saying that. There's the, the heavenly realms. There's the Father's world. There's the government of God. There's this great universe of the Lord. The different ways of referring to the same sort of thing. The, the spacious place of the psalmist. Well, he's talking about the kingdom of God. The place where the Lord is our refuge and our fortress. That's the Lord's kingdom again. I've seen you enjoy going through your scripture, looking for the kingdom of God and writing KOG by these different places in scripture that are really talking about the kingdom of God, just not in that language. Because Dallas has really opened that up for me. You know, I didn't, before I started reading Dallas 13, 14 years ago, I didn't really understand the kingdom of God. It was a fuzzy concept to me. It just felt like, kind of like heaven when you die or the, mm-hmm. you know, the rule and reign of God and in principle, but I didn't really understand it practically and concretely as a, a here and now reality, a dimension to live from. And Jesus's key message to us that the kingdom of God's here available for us right now to live under his good loving rule, to trust his wisdom and his leadership. That's Jesus' call to discipleship, Matthew 4, 17, one of Dallas's favorite verses. Repent, for the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. And Dallas would say, now, you hear that and you might think you need to beat your head against the floor and wail. Well, that's not what repentance is. You might want to do that after you repent. (laughs) (laughs) He says, repentance is rethinking. Mm -hmm. Think again about how you're living your life in light of the greatest opportunity ever to come to you, you could live in the kingdom of the heavens right now, right where you are. Mm -hmm. What good news Jesus gave us. Mm -hmm. And of course, our gateway into the kingdom is the cross of Christ and the confession of our sins, receiving forgiveness, and uh, trusting in Christ for all that he has to give us. Yeah, it was really helpful the way that he challenge some of my beliefs about life, you know, the Christian life being hard, for mm. instance, versus the the life of peace and joy. That's really true as I've learned more and more to take my life and my queendom into the kingdom of God. Adele said it's an easy yoke. Mm-hmm. And I was so taken with that concept that I learned from Dallas that there's an, an easy way of doing hard things in life and in ministry. And so I did a lot of study on that Matthew 11 passage and Dallas's teachings and had fun putting that into my book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke, because that's the life I've learned to live. And it's yes. changed everything for yes. me. It's the gospel of Jesus made very practical into just all the stuff of life from how I walk in the door when I get home from work to how I respond to criticism to how I prepare a sermon to how I do a counseling session to how I listen to somebody over coffee all the things that we do we can learn to do them as apprentices to Jesus in the kingdom of the heavens and I've learned greatly with you and from you in that you're a more loving husband and leader and more peace resides in your body and soul I've been greatly blessed I even feel more comfortable driving with you now, (laughs) riding with you now. (laughs) Yeah, I was driving down the the road back a long time ago on the freeway and as was commonly true then, feeling stressed and some agitation and crowding the bumper of the guy ahead of me, slowing me down. And 
getting irritated if somebody cut in front of me and and then I hear Dallas because I was listening to him in my CD player and he says, well, you know, we get a lot of practice in learning to bless those that curse us on the Southern California freeways. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, is Dallas in the car with me right now? <laughs> well, you mean I, I could be blessing the people that are cursing me? <laughs> I'm trying to get ahead of them. <laughs> and uh, I sense the Lord say, Billy, you could become the pastor of the freeway. Well, I needed to do some training to begin to be more prayerful and kind as I was driving. And you've done that, and I've benefited. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I, I learned that as you do that, if you seek to become more like Jesus by the power of God's grace in a specific area of your life, like how you drive your car, the things that you need to do to change in that area are so significant that it, it changes your character, and it helps to change who you are in other situations. Character really matters, and Dallas made that clear. He was very strong on that point, for which I'm grateful. I've been so grieved that it seems like, even in, here we are in election year, people are not looking for character and mm-hmm. our leaders. And the consequences of that are so devastating. Yeah, Dallas said leadership is about character. And uh, he loved to uh, cite 1 Corinthians 13 as a leadership text and teach on that because the best leaders love people well especially when they're not on stage and nobody seems to be looking. And uh, he taught me a great prayer that I've used countless times as another you know, very countercultural idea. And the prayer is, Lord, please don't grant me more power than my character can handle. Yeah, So important. Another uh, leadership text that Dallas liked was uh, 1 Peter 5, 5 to 7. And Peter really teaches us about Christly leadership. You want to read that for us, honey? Yes. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, and in due time, he will lift you up. Cast your cares on him, because he cares for you. Of course, Peter learned humility personally. Mm-hmm. You know, he was an impulsive, ambitious, and brash leader. And then he was humbled by his failures. You know, along the way in the Gospels, we see how he and the other disciples think they are getting it, but they're not getting it. They're not understanding spiritual reality, that the gospel is, the kingdom is open to them and available to them, that they wanted to understand it in a very physical sort of way. And Jesus is saying, no, you're, you're bi-habitational. Let me show you how to live from the spiritual world. And then, of course, Peter denied the Lord when he insisted he wouldn't. And it was through his failures that Peter learned so much. And then especially at that famous fish breakfast on Tagba Beach there, at the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus restored Peter with his unconditional love and gave Peter dignity. He said, feed my sheep. You, you're a leader for me, Peter. You're a rock. You're going to live up to your name. And Peter did. In Acts, we see how he, with the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus' love holding him, he began to really emerge as a great leader for Jesus. In that First Peter 5, Peter says that leadership is learned by witnessing the sufferings of Christ. Mm. How's that? How he responded to that suffering, how he responded to, uh, like he's on the cross and the way he was mistreated, beaten and brutalized and insulted, just constant mistreatment. And yet he just keeps loving all the people around him. And so we see there in Jesus, the way of the leader. And then of course, Peter himself suffered for the Lord as did so many of the apostles and prophets in the scriptures. And 
what you see when you look at this is that our best ministry is our response to suffering. And it's because of the way that Jesus lived and the way that he died and the way he responded to trials and to mistreatment with perfect love, you see. And so the more that we can respond as Christ would, that's our best witness. We don't very much think of that as leadership in our culture today. I don't. Yeah, it's coming back to character. And our, our character is tested in trials. And when we go through difficult times, we tend to want to just like get through them. But the way of the Lord is to see, no, this is an opportunity. And if I do this with Jesus and the grace of the Lord is alive in me and active in me, as Peter talks about there in First Peter 5, then we can draw people to Jesus in that situation with us. And that's unforgettable. That preaches way beyond sermons, our, our lives and uh, what comes out of us in those trials. Just like Dallas's life really preached to us and really inspired us and has taught us so much about Christ and life with him and his kingdom. I love how he taught us to bless our competitors. As an author and conference speaker, Dallas would pray for other leaders to be more successful than him. Mm-hmm. And one time he told me in regards to his career, he said, I don't have a career. I have a careen. What's a careen? A careen is like you're a, a pinball on a pinball machine and you're just going down, bopping from side to side. And he referenced the um, story of David in 2 Samuel 5 and uh, leading the Israel army. And instead of charging out in front to attack the enemy who was coming after them, the Lord gave him a, said, no, wait here and wait till you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam mm-hmm. trees. I love that story. And then follow the angels, follow the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord led David to go around the backside in a sort of a sneak attack. And they were able to defeat their enemies who were opposing them. That's how Dallas lived. and how he worked. He called it the wisdom of the snake. You lie around in the path, and you wait for dinner to show up. Yeah, and as you lie around, you're lying with the Lord. You're in His presence. You're worshiping Him. You're enjoying Him. You're listening to Him. You're seeking Him. It's a, it's a way of leadership that's responding to God's leadership, not depending upon our own strategies. Yeah, Jesus Himself taught that in Matthew ten sixteen. A couple other quick thoughts from Dallas here as we're taking this tour of examples from him. He was a street preacher early in his career, and uh, the Lord said to him, don't look for the best places to preach. Look to have something to say. Instead of competing for that prime position to get on a soapbox. It's kind of funny to think about Dallas as a street preacher. (laughs) But a long time ago, that was a a reputable profession, and sometimes it still is today, I'm sure. People sometimes criticized him as being a boring speaker, and Dallas would just stand there and smile. He had his hands behind his back. Mm -hmm. People maybe wouldn't notice his hands or think about that, but he did that as a little discipline for not getting angry or defensive when criticized. And he took very seriously not trying to be the superstar speaker that was wonderfully impressive. He just wanted to draw people to the risen Christ in the room and let the Holy Spirit do the talking. The Lord told him, you know, Dallas, it's not so important what you say. It's important what I do with the words that you say. So Dallas developed a motto, do your best, but don't trust your best. So let's close with a prayer that I developed in the course of my meetings with Dallas because I always 
wanted to remember everything we talked about because mm-hmm. it was such a gift that many hours I spent with him. Each one was precious. And I wanted to hear about it when you got home. <laughs> and so I would take uh, copious notes after I met with Dallas. I just didn't feel right about making notes while I was with him or recording. You know, these were conversations. It was personal time and it was really heart to heart. And so I would pray and um, I'm going to pray this prayer for our listeners now. May you have the mind of Christ and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that operated on Dallas Willard. Thank you, Lord. That's a big, bold prayer. But I thank you, Lord, that you gave it to me, and it's really helped me. And when I shared it with Dallas, even he liked it. So may our listeners receive the hope, the confidence, your mind, Lord Jesus, the anointing of your spirit, you took an ordinary man, Dallas Willard, and did extraordinary things through him because he trusted wholly in you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope you've been encouraged by this episode of Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. The easiest way to listen to our weekly conversations is to subscribe through the podcast app on your phone or tablet. Or you can listen and subscribe on any computer through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and soulshepherding.org. Thanks for sharing Soul Talks with your friends. There are now a thousand of you listening each week. Until next time, let's continue our conversation with Christ. Christ.